0: Chapter One of A Dark Night's Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Dark Night's Work by Elizabeth Cleggern Gaskell. Chapter One In the country town of a certain shire there lived, about forty years ago, one Mr. Wilkins, a conveyancing attorney of considerable standing. The certain shire was but a small county and the principal town in it contained only about four thousand inhabitants so in saying that mr wilkins was the principal lawyer in hamley i say very little unless i add that he transacted all the legal business of the gentry for twenty miles round his grandfather had established the connection his father had consolidated and strengthened it and indeed by his wise and upright conduct as well as by his professional skill had obtained for himself the position of confidential friend to many of the surrounding families of distinction he visited among them in a way which no mere lawyer had ever done before dined at their tables he alone not accompanied by his wife be it observed rode to the meet occasionally as if by accident although he was as well mounted as any squire among them and was often persuaded, after a little coquetting about professional engagements, and being wanted at the office, to have a run with his clients, nay, once or twice he forgot his usual caution, was first in at the death, and rode home with the brush. But in general he knew his place, as his place was held to be in that aristocratic county, and in those days. Nor let it be supposed that he was in any way a toad-eater, he respected himself too much for that, he would give the most unpalatable advice if need were would counsel an unsparing reduction of expenditure to an extravagant man would recommend such an abatement of family pride as paved the way for one or two happy marriages in some instances nay what was the most likely piece of conduct of all to give offence forty years ago he would speak up for an unjustly used tenant and that with so much temperate and well-timed wisdom and good feeling that he more than once gained his point he had a son edward this boy was the secret joy and pride of his father's heart for himself he was not in the least ambitious but it did cost him a hard struggle to acknowledge that his own business was too lucrative and brought in too large an income to pass away into the hands of a stranger as it would do if he indulged his ambition for his son by giving him a college education and making him into a barrister this determination on the more prudent side of the argument took place while edward was at eton the lad had perhaps the largest allowance of pocket-money of any boy at school and he had always looked forward to going to christ church along with his fellows the sons of the squires his father's employers it was a severe mortification to him to find that his destiny was changed and that he had to return to hamley to be articled to his father and to assume the hereditary subservient position to lads whom he had licked in the playground and beaten in learning his father tried to compensate for him the disappointment by every indulgence which money could purchase edward's horses were even finer than those of his father his literary tastes were kept up and fostered by his father's permission to form an extensive library for which purpose a noble room was added to mr wilkins's already extensive house in the suburbs of hamley and after his year of legal study in london his father sent him to make the grand tour with something very like carte blanche as to expenditure to judge from the packages which were sent home from various parts of the continent at last he came home came back to settle as his father's partner at hamley he was a son to be proud of and right down proud was old mr wilkins of his handsome accomplished gentlemanly lad for edward was not one to be spoilt by the course of indulgence he had passed through at least if it had done him an injury the effects were at present hidden from view he had no vulgar vices he was indeed rather too fine for the society he was likely to be thrown into even supposing that society to consist of the highest of his father's employers he was well read and an artist of no mean pretensions above all his heart was in the right place as his father used to observe nothing could exceed the deference he always showed to him his mother had long been dead i do not know whether it was edward's own ambition or his proud father's wishes that had led him to attend the hamley assemblies i should conjecture the latter for edward had of himself too much good taste to wish to intrude into any society in the opinion of all the shire no society had more reason to consider itself select than that which met at every full moon in the hamley assembly-room an excrescence built on the principal inn in the town by the joint subscription of all the county families into those choice and mysterious precincts no townsperson was ever allowed to enter no professional man might set his foot therein no infantry officer saw the interior of that ball or that card-room the old original subscribers would fain have had a man prove his sixteen quarterings before he might make his bow to the queen of the night but the old original founders of the hamley assemblies were dropping off minutes had vanished with them country dances had died away quadrilles were in high vogue nay one or two of the high magnates of shire were trying to introduce waltzing as they had seen it in london where it had come in with the visit of the allied sovereigns when edward wilkins made his debut in these boards he had been at many splendid assemblies abroad but still the little old ballroom attached to the george inn in his native town was to him a place grander and more awful than the most magnificent saloons he had seen in paris or rome he laughed at himself for this unreasonable feeling of awe but there it was notwithstanding he had been dining at the house of one of the lesser gentry who was under considerable obligations to his father and who was the parent of eight muckle Mood daughters so hardly likely to oppose much aristocratic resistance to the elder mr wilkins's clearly implied wish that edward should be presented at the hamley assembly rooms but many a squire glowered and looked back at the introduction of wilkins the attorney's son into the sacred precincts and perhaps there would have been much more mortification than pleasure in this assembly to that young man had it not been for an incident that occurred pretty late in the evening the lord lieutenant of the county usually came with a large party to the hamley assemblies once in a season and this night he was expected and with him a fashionable duchess and her daughters but time wore on and they did not make their presents at last there was a rustling and bustling and in sailed the superb party for a few minutes dancing was stopped the earl led the duchess to a sofa some of their acquaintances came to speak to them and then the quadrilles were finished in rather a flat manner a country dance followed in which none of the lord lieutenant's party joined then there was a consultation a request an inspection of the dancers a message to the orchestra and the band struck up a waltz the duchess's daughters flew off to the music and some more young ladies seemed ready to follow but alas there was a lack of gentlemen acquainted with the new-fashioned dance one of the stewards bethought him of young wilkins only just returned from the continent edward was a beautiful dancer and waltzed to admiration for the next partner he had one of the lady s for the duchess to whom the shire squires and their little county politics and contempts were alike unknown saw no reason why her lovely lady Sophie should not have good partner whatever his pedigree might be and begged the steward to introduce mr wilkins to her after this night his fortune was made with the young ladies of the hamley assemblies he was not unpopular with the mammas but the heavy squire still looked at him askance, and the heirs, whom he had licked at Eton, called him an upstart behind his back. End of chapter 1